Welcome to Season 2 of Resilient Black Women. We're excited you've joined us for more conversations about mental health for all people, but especially Black women, Indigenous women, and women of color. Before we start Season 2, just a quick note. You may hear a third voice this season, in addition to Joy and Denisha, and you may hear her fussing a little bit. And that is Baby Mercy, Joy's daughter, who finally joined us. All right, now let's start Season 2 of Resilient Black Women. I'm Joy McGowan. I'm Denisha Simpson. And we are Resilient Black Women. Black woman gave us life, a black woman taught us to stand. When she sat down in the front, a black woman defied the man. When a black man rose up, it was a black woman that held his Hey y'all, welcome to the podcast. We are back um, with some new episodes and we are so excited to kind of share with you this new series about mental health and black women. We are super excited today because with us we have the wonderful Miss Dorothy Marcy. Joy and I are sitting here kind of like we're in front of a celebrity. And Seriously. So, <laughs> um, I will tell you a little bit about her, and then I will allow her to take the mic. Um, she has been a licensed professional counselor in Fayetteville since 1994. Before that, she was in LAC where she was at a school in school counseling, correct? For three mm-hmm. years, yes, mm-hmm. for three years. Um, and then after that, in 1994, once she was terminally licensed, she went and started operating her own private practice, which if you know anything about that process, that's a lot of work. A so kudos to you, Miss Dorothy. Thanks. Um, she is the mother of an adult son with autism, and she's also a creative writer who has had a few short stories published. She's also currently working on a bio novel about growing up during Jim Crow. She's been a leader and a teacher in an international peer counseling organization for about 48 years. And I also feel like it's okay to say this because she put this in her bio. She is 81 years old yes. and just returned from a trip to, from Egypt. Yes. I mean, guys, I don't know about you, but I can't even imagine what... I don't even know what I'll be like at 81, but I'm not sure that I would be able to take a trip to Egypt. I hope I can. I hope I can. I pray I can. I think I can tell you from experience, you'll be just like you are now. Well, thank you. Thank you. See those little nuggets of wisdom, which is why we're so excited to have her here. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, the thing I didn't tell you, because I am old, I'm 81, I taught uh, public school for 25 years. Oh, I wow. T- I did. I taught English and French in uh, Wichita, Kansas. Oh, my And then gosh. I came back to Arkansas because my parents' health was failing mm-hmm. and they needed support. Then I ended up coming up here and getting another degree. My goodness. Yeah. Wow. So, Ms. Marcy, <clears throat> first of all, do you want us to call you Miss Marcy, Dorothy? What do you want us to call you? Whatever you feel comfortable okay, with. Okay, I'm going to say Miss Marcy. Okay. Um, we are so, so excited to have you here. Today we wanted to talk a little bit about the field of psychology. We feel like you have been working professionally in this field for such a long time. And so tell us about counseling psychology. For us, like our mission is to kind of dismantle the half-truths about mental health mm-hmm. as it relates to black women mm-hmm. and all women that kind of mm-hmm. keep us from engaging in mental health. And so I'm wondering if you can kind of tell us like in your experience you've been a teacher you've been a professional for so many years what is the field of psychology and how was it set up in such a way that maybe creates its own barriers that keeps us out of it 
You know, I could probably write a book about this. Yes, you could. <laughs> I will. I do have to say, when I was going to the university to get my master's degree in counseling, there was a uh, sort of a competition between the School of Psychology mm. and the School of Counseling. Mm-hmm. So I know the counselor side of it, and their story was psychology is about illness and counseling mm. is about wellness. Mm. Now, I don't know what someone in the psychology department would say mm-hmm. <laughs> about the difference in the two philosophies and the two departments. But I will say for myself personally, that is true of me. Mm. I am about wellness. And I forget what else you just asked me. No, you're <laughs> fine. And I even appreciate that, di- that like separating right that those words of psychology and counseling, mm-hmm. because I think even for like our everyday clients, they, we kind of like inter- um, use those words like like they're the same thing mm-hmm. um psychology and counseling and really they're different they are different. and so for our clients it may be that they they too have this idea and see counseling psychology as illness and you know there's a historical piece mm-hmm. in there i know when i was a child growing up my oldest brother had some struggles and I was always so mad at my parents because they wouldn't get help for him. Mm-hmm. What did I know about what help was available to a little black boy mm-hmm. back in the 40s and 50s? Zero. Mm-hmm. There was no help. There was no professional psychologist, psych counselor, psychiatrist who would work with that child. Mm-hmm. And there was no fam- black family who could afford it mm-hmm. if they would. Mm-hmm. And I think that piece of our history is still is still with us to some extent that we don't come from a culture that accesses those services for for many reasons. Those mm-hmm. I think you know being the main ones. Yeah, we didn't have access no, to those services. No, we didn't. And and then there was just the whole cultural perspective, white and black, mm-hmm. on needing psychological help needing counseling the idea of being crazy yes um, yeah I personally believe that that is a made-up word Mm -hmm. you cannot lose your mind you will always have it Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that reframe that's so true Mm -hmm. right and so you have some struggles Mm -hmm. and so I know it is very difficult for us to seek out counseling and really I recommend that black folk get a black counselor I really Mm -hmm. do you have to have somebody who knows your history Mm -hmm. and I mean not just the history from slavery Mm. the society that we live in makes it look like we stepped into slavery out of a void Mm -hmm. that we had no culture we had no history we had no background no Mm -hmm. nothing and i heard someone say the other day um if a thousand page book was written about african-american history the last two pages would be about slavery wow Mm. yeah yeah we have a long and deep and rich culture that we come from even before yeah and so the world doesn't know that and neither do we mm-hmm. <laughs> right we don't either yeah yeah that's so true 
I want to go back to something that you said that I think is really important that we try to keep before our listeners all the time is although we may be black women and we are trying to speak specifically to how black women or black people should engage with mental health, what you're saying or what you said earlier was there was a stigma for all of us. Oh, yeah. That it was something for everybody because even as I've heard you talk about counseling the field of counseling and psychology before um, of just recognizing how it started with a white man um, white men studying other white men <laughs> yes <laughs> and so that I mean that takes out white women that takes out right oh so much all of everybody yeah and unless you were a rich white man of course you don't think counseling is for you and also if you're not a rich white man you're not mentally healthy if you were going to create something wouldn't you make it like you Mm -hmm. (laughs) so right sigmund freud the father of psychology Mm -hmm. what is meant being mentally healthy Mm -hmm. male wealthy white Mm -hmm. um owning class all these things Mm -hmm. so the further you are from that the further you are from mental health mm-hmm. and the more you can behave in those ways. Mm-hmm. Ways that we would yeah, say are dysfunction. Yeah, we know you can't be white and, and male. Yes. But you can act like them. Yes. And if you behave in that way mm. in our society, that is mental health. But mm. if you behave like black folk, mm. I don't know, y'all are pretty loud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, y'all don't have good boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, all mm-hmm. these things. And so I try not to use my profession to shape somebody, mm. to help them to fit into what I consider an oppressive society. Mm-hmm. My perspective is that I want to be an asset to you becoming you, mm-hmm. whatever that is. I don't have any judgments about it, and I don't have any goals for you. I often, when somebody comes in to see me, my spiel is this. <laughs> you come to see a counselor because you feel lost, mm-hmm. and you're looking for someone who's not lost, and that is not me. Mm, I love it. (laughs) I don't have all of my answers, and I don't have any of yours. Mm -hmm. I am just not lost in your woods. That is the only difference. Mm -hmm. But worse than being lost is being lost and alone. Mm -hmm. My job is the alone part. Mm -hmm. I will hold your hand while you find your way, and that's all I can do. A lot of times that's disappointing to people. (laughs) Disappointing, but I also see the other side of how open and vulnerable that statement is and how that can normalize you to clients rather than them feeling like they're sitting across from somebody that's judging them, which is one of their top fears. It's like, okay, she's human. She's like me. And that's why I will never sit and take notes while I'm talking to you. (laughs) Because, of course, you're thinking, what is she writing? Exactly. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's so true. Unfortunately, I have a very good memory. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I mean, y'all, what Miss Marcy basically just shared with us is like this is how we start therapy. These are really good reasons to come to therapy. Um, And this is really how we come over that internal barrier that we have placed, that one society has placed for us, 
that paints this picture that counseling is not for you if you're not white, male, or wealthy. Um, and then now we internalize this, and so we keep all of these things from allowing us to get to a place where I can just sit in front of someone. And really, therapy is not just about, like, let me get help, but it's a reminder that I'm not alone. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I just tell people I can sit in hell with you right is not my hell mm -hmm. as long as it's mine not mine right we're okay <laughs> and research shows that how much more that is effective than rather someone coming in and getting this diagnosis and now let me let's figure out some skills to use to help you with this diagnosis right and i don't believe in diagnosing right i really don't right i don't think there is any label that mm -hmm. fits a human being. Mm. Nobody can be put in a box like that. Right. There's yeah. too much of you left out. Right. You know? Yes. Insurance companies require, I might lose my life for saying <laughs> no. this, I don't know, but <laughs> they do. They require a diagnosis. They do. I give the most benign diagnosis I can give. Mm -hmm. It'll probably be generalized anxiety right. or it'll be PTSD. Or something. like an adjustment disorder with depressed mood. Yeah, something. Something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. something. Because when you hear that as a client, you believe that about yourself. Mm -hmm. I've had people come into my office, introduce themselves with, I am bipolar. Mm. That is somebody's opinion about you. That's right. all that is. Mm -hmm. And if you're clinically bipolar, that means somebody in a clinic had that opinion about you. Right. That is all. Yes. No, that's, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So, Ms. Dorothy, so far you've shared kind of your view on the field of psychology and even um, how you conceptualize inside your own office and what that process looks like when clients very first come in. Mm -hmm. Joy and I were talking and we really wanted to know like what was your what's your why in for this field and being in this field and working with people and clients. Yeah. Oh my why is such a long story that I'll try to <laughs> shorten. <laughs> you know, I I did give birth to an autistic child mm -hmm. and that was in nineteen sixty four. Mm -hmm. That was before that diagnosis existed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so without the diagnosis, the problem is the mother. Right. And right. even when the diagnosis came into the medical profession, mm -hmm. their reason for autism was refrigerator mothers, mm -hmm. cold mothers who cannot nurture. Mm -hmm. That was not me. Right. I didn't know what was wrong with my child. But when he was three, mm -hmm. I read an article in Life magazine that doesn't even exist anymore right. about a little boy with autism, and mm -hmm. it described my son to the T. Mm. And I said, my baby has autism. Mm -hmm. So I rushed to the psychiatrist. I rushed to the psychologist. Mm -hmm. They said, no, Psych uh, autistic children are retarded. He's not retarded. Mm. That is not true. Right. That how far we've how, come. How little we knew yeah. back then and how much we know now. Absolutely. He was in his 20s before I got an accurate diagnosis. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. But his behavior was consistently that of a child with Asperger's. Mm -hmm. So what was that like? Like with him not having that diagnosis, did that limit resources that oh my were God! Available. It 
was hell. Can mm-hmm. I say hell? Yeah, yes. absolutely. <laughs> this is your space. <laughs> it was, I was divorced from his father mm-hmm. when he was two. Mm-hmm. And so I was, if you can imagine, a young, I was 22 when he was born. Mm-hmm. I was a young, single, black mother uh, by myself mm-hmm. trying to raise a child with no no resources. Right. The school system, they didn't have a place for children like this. Mm. Then they put him in classes for personal and social adjustment. That just says something's wrong with you. Right. You yeah. Know? And so it was a struggle. There was one point at which, um, I think it was in fifth grade, and a um, principal was going to spank him. Mm. because of behavior that didn't fit the norm. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, you you will not hit my child. I will not send him to school. Mm-hmm. This was before he could homeschool. Right. And so he threatened me with turning me into the Department of Human Services for neglect if I did not bring my child to school. Mm. And so, you know, oh sometimes goodness. genius just comes to you and you out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. What he was doing, they thought was um, inappropriate. They thought it was sexual oriented. Okay. And so I just said, I have one question for you. Have you never done this? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Yeah. And that was it. But Mm -hmm. I really had to fight that battle by myself. Mm -hmm. But I would not be who I am without having done that. Right. It took me down some hard roads I never would have chosen Mm -hmm. and they were good roads and I learned a lot (laughs) well speaking of resilient black women I'm sitting across from one for sure oh bless your heart my goodness yeah and I love that you came up with that name for what you do because we are as Mm -hmm. black women we are resilient many of us don't know right we're resilient and those of us who, some of us don't even know that word. Mm-hmm. And those of us who know we are resilient, we don't know why. Right. And I have to tell you, coming back from Egypt, oh, my gosh. I told the tour director, I'm writing a book, and I always get to avoid. It feels mm-hmm. like there's something about myself I don't know. Right. And how do I write this? hmm I found myself in Egypt. Mm. It, you know, what he said from the very beginning is we're not studying Egypt. We're studying ancient Egypt, which was Kemet. Right. The Greeks named it Egypt. Mm-hmm. But your people, your ancestors are from Kemet. Mm. This is why we're resilient. Our ancestors were the first astrologers, the first astronomers, mm-hmm. the first medical professionals, the first language, the first alphabet, the first anything on this planet mm. came from your ancestors. How powerful is that? Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It really gave me the missing piece that mm-hmm. says, now I have a perspective to look at Jim Crow. Right. You know. Yeah, that missing piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have that in our DNA, is, right. what, I'm, is what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's there. It's in us. Yeah, yeah, that potential, that ability. I didn't know, for instance, that, did you know that George Washington Carver was castrated? I did not. Because he was a genius 
And this white man was afraid he would marry the white man's daughter. Mm. So he had him castrated. Oh my goodness, I did not know that. We have that much brilliance in us, mm-hmm. that much genius in us, and it is frightening to people. Yes, yeah. I've always wondered, mm-hmm. I always felt like we are the phoenix rising from the ashes. Right. So much has been done to destroy us. And yet we rise, right? And and still we rise, mm-hmm. as Maya would say. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> yes, yeah. And this is why. Mm-hmm. It's there. Yeah, it's in us. Yeah. How powerful. Something they can never understand. Black women gave us the equations we need to get us to space. The world was finna end. A better black woman can say the race. What I love about being a black woman is how I am able to define what blackness is for me. What I love about being a black woman is the way that my presence feels in spaces with other people. What I love about being a black woman is my beautiful brown skin and the variety of hairstyles that I can do with my hair. What I love about being a black woman is determination and never giving up. Even with trials and tribulations that challenge me, I keep on going. I know. Everything black, everything black.